Welcome to Fourth Corner Corner, educator news from the Northwest, where we will be bringing you the latest union news and interviews from all 34 of our locals. I'm Summer Stoner, your Fourth Corner President. On today's podcast, I'll be discussing the topic of education with Liz Lovelett. She's the incumbent for the 40th District Senate seat. She answered some pertinent questions about education and her campaign. Liz is proud to have WEA and Fourth Corner support through the WEAPAC process. If you haven't been part of the WEAPAC endorsement process, today we'll give you some insight into the questions that are asked of all candidates seeking our support. And remember, check your personal email after this episode airs for a newsletter with a brief summary, calendar updates, and other helpful reminders. Now, let's get started. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. We're so excited that you're here. Um, This is a great opportunity for us to ask you some questions as they relate to education. And so we're going to get started. So please tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're running for this critical position and how you see your role once you're reelected. Well, so I got kind of an unlikely start in politics. Uh, I owned a record store in Anacortes, the business. And from that position, I was very rooted in my community. And after that, I decided to run to be a, or I put my name in to be a PTA president and the vice president of my farmer's market board. And that kind of naturally led me towards running for my city council position. And I was in the sixth year of that uh, when I was appointed to the Senate and was able to take all of the work I've been doing on the local level and apply it more broadly at the state level. And the reason why I run is because I have kids and I have been alive on planet Earth long enough to know that we've got some real work to do around environmental protection. And making the world a better place for our kids and grandkids and their grandkids. And I see my role uh, in the legislature to take a deep dive on the issues that are important to my district and to the state, figure out the best way we can create policy that has positive, meaningful impacts in our communities, and just ready to go back down to Olympia and get to work. So our second question is, what informs your opinion on education policy or how will you partner with educators to be informed on education policies in the future? Well, I have a a very unique opportunity to have spent a lot of time working in the schools. So I have been a classroom volunteer. I have been an after-school art uh, and club advisor and educator and a PTA president. So I have really strong relationships within my own school district, and I think it it enables me to have uh, stronger conversations with educators around the issues that matter to them. Uh, So I'm looking forward to kind of applying my, my limited knowledge base that I have, but a really good starting point. And I think one of the the best things I have to offer is just being open and available and ready to hear back about what matters the most. Um, I I really think it's incumbent on me to make sure that as I gather information about how bills affect people, and particularly when they affect people in their workplace, that we're avoiding unintended consequences and that we're making sure to get as many people to the table as possible to, to be very educated on our path forward. And I know we've run into some stalemates, especially in the 40th and 42nd when we head to Olympia. I know that has not been the case since you've been down there. How do you see um, 
educators and their their involvement in Olympia? Well, you guys know how these things affect you. I mean, you know how uh, funding shortages affect your staffing levels. You know what kind of ratios you need in your classrooms to be effective in your jobs. Um, I think, you know, part of what I bring is that I have kids who are in school. I have one at, at the elementary and one at the middle school level. So I think that I'm a little more in tune to those needs because I'm talking to their teachers and uh, the administrators and and having a better firsthand view because I'm, I'm in the schools more often than a lot of my colleagues are. Uh, but I, I was so impressed because the WEA sent out members several times and we talked about everything from staffing levels to retirement issues and you know everything in between. So I know that there's a lot of work to do around the levy situation in some of our school districts that we have a lot of work to do on making sure that uh, you have the support staff that you need to be successful in your work. And these are all things that I am better at doing my job when you come to me to tell me about your job. So our third question is um, really focused around support for families. Uh, Many educators, especially in the fourth corner, are starting to recognize that we're looking at a bigger need in education than traditionally we have played a role. And we're looking at what might those services look like and how can Olympia support us in that. So our question is, can you tell us what services you think schools can or should offer to help support families? I think one of the challenges that I hear about from educators uh, revolves around how much wraparound support is being expected from the schools anymore. You know, we're dealing with uh, nutrition assistance. We're dealing with mental health counseling. Um, you know, things like making sure kids have clean clothes to wear to school. So it's like not only are you teaching and, and working on the educational and the curriculum piece, but you're also having to deal with, uh, you know, the fact that there's kids with lots of different um educational goals and ability levels within just each individual class, but then trying to support those families in a way that allows those kids to thrive. So I I think ways that uh, if that expectation is really coming from Olympia, that you guys are going to provide that kind of wraparound support for students, then we need to make sure that we're funding those things. We have a lot of positions that are not fully funded in the schools, nurses, librarians, counselors, and especially when we're looking at at the, the secondary level where you have you know, these high school kids that have uh, lots of um, depression and anxiety and realizing how much of that pressure is coming out of uh, their school environment, not the educators, but their peers. And how do we help them have the best school experience possible, get the most out of their education, but also get that support system? I, I think additionally, as, as our communities become more and more diverse, uh, finding ways to help augment the language services that are there for to be able to enfranchise families that maybe have language barriers and help them understand what's going on with their students and help the teachers better communicate that way as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about what research you have around that or what you know beyond just your work in Olympia? Yeah. So uh, I've been working on this levy fix bill and kind of in my research on that, I've touched on a lot of auxiliary considerations. One being the way that school districts have the ability to utilize safety net funding for kids that have special needs or IEPs and knowing that there's a real uh, issue around the the paperwork requirements and how, how those funds get accessed and what kind of staffing needs you guys have in order 
order to to fill out the paperwork and, and deal with those ongoing qualifications. But additionally, we have a study out right now that has to do with all of the auxiliary staff. So again, those nurses, the um, counselors, the librarians, to try to figure out uh, at what funding level and um, employment rate the state needs to be pitching in on those because, you know, you're not going to be able to hire a 0.2 librarian, you know, or a a 0.2 nurse. You need a school nurse. And so trying to figure out the best ways to create a funding mechanism and to prioritize, and and this this is where I need your help, is to prioritize which of these positions, if we can only, say, fund one of those the first couple of years, and then we're going to add another one on, you know, in what order of priority do we need to add those staff members moving forward? As we're looking into the future, how do you ensure stable funding sources for public education, especially during economic downturn in the future? Well, that's a great question. I mean, this is something that we struggle with at the state all the time. We know we have a very regressive tax code. We have the people who can least afford it in our communities paying the highest proportion of their salaries in taxes and the people who can most afford it paying much less. So I think that what we have to do moving forward is making sure that we are, you know, properly wedding together the ability to pay with the tax rate. So whether we're talking about eventually getting to a point where we have an income tax, and that's very challenging in Washington state because it require it's it's in our constitution. So we require a two-thirds majority in both the House and the Senate in order to pass something like that. Uh, but I, I see a path forward in B&O tax reform. Uh, we know that uh, you know a little store like my record store is paying the same rate of tax as Amazon, and that's obviously not equitable. Um, There is some conversation around having an excess compensation tax. So that is if you make more than a million dollars that your employer would have to pay a fee for that. Uh, And then I'm, I'm hoping that this year we get capital gains through. So really working on identifying uh, what some more stable revenue streams are. I mean, when you're our, our basis for our tax code is sales tax, and that is definitely a fair weather friend. So when you have an economic downturn, it really imperils your basic services like your schools and your health care. And those are exactly the things you need to have bolstered in times of, of great economic need, especially for, for the most vulnerable among us. And additionally, having everything tied to property taxes is very problematic, especially for seniors. So and for schools, it's that triple burden. You've got your bond capacity, your levy and the McCleary fix all being tied to property taxes. So that's going to disproportionately affect school districts in areas with high or with lower assessed value. So Really taking a look at those, it is a goal of our caucus to start addressing uh, how regressive our tax code is, and I think that's something we'll continue to work on moving forward. Our final question, we have doorbelling coming up on October 19th and 26th. Fourth Corner members are committing to coming out and helping with your campaign, and we have a lot of members who maybe haven't participated in doorbelling before or um, maybe haven't in a long time. And what can they expect or what areas might be covered or how does that experience go for someone who's doing it for the first time? Oh, yeah. Well, I love doorbelling. And that was something that didn't come naturally. Uh, I'm definitely a 
believe it or not, a little more introverted. And so usually I'm the first person to go run and hide if uh, somebody knocks at my own door. But once I got out there and started doorbelling uh, on my first race, I hit thousands of doors. And once you get going, you just realize that you're meeting your community members, you're meeting friends and neighbors. I, whenever possible, I try to match people up with their own neighborhood. So they're having the opportunity to actually meet their neighbors, you know, doors that they've driven by countless times getting to and from their own home. Uh, It's a really fun experience because it does uh, get you to know your neighborhood much more intimately. Uh, And part of the areas that I want to focus on up in Bellingham are around uh, Western because we did some doorbelling around there. But in the summertime, there's a lot of students that were gone. And it's really important to get young people in particular voting, make sure that they know that their ballots are coming and when they're due. And just uh, giving that personal stamp on why you believe in particular candidates or different initiatives. And it just it really does build community. People are, are there's usually a couple ways that it goes. Uh, one is People just open the door, close it, say thanks for your time. Um, Sometimes you'll have someone ask you, well, how come you personally support this particular candidate? Uh, And then sometimes they'll actually want to talk about issues. But regardless of the way the conversation goes, it it really does build community and it's, it's a great opportunity to meet your neighbors. I always love to when I knock on a door and it's like a student comes to the door. I'm always like, oh, it's so good to see you. So, yeah, you often get to make connections outside of your school day to people that you see day to day anyway. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I ran into, you know, I'd look at the name and be like, oh, are you so-and-so's grandma? Or I, I had it happen uh, during the primary season that I ran into somebody's, my my friend from high school, her parents that I hadn't seen in 20 years. So you just never know who's going to be on the other side of that door. And it's a, it's a pretty fun and engaging way to get involved in local elections. Liz, we can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your schedule and dropping by and sitting with us for a little bit and giving us some education conversation. Well, absolutely. I appreciate you having me out and that the WEA has been so supportive of my candidacy so far. Um, I'm going to continue to be an advocate for education and just know that my door is always open. And so you can come down or give me a call. And we're hoping that when we have our fill the bus on February 27th and head down to Olympia, that you'll mark your calendar knowing that we're going to fill your office up again. Well, we'll probably have to get a separate room again because you guys tend to, to fill the room, which is great. It means you're being strong advocates for the issues that matter most to you. All right. Thank you so much again, Liz, and good luck. Thanks. All right, that's our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you'll take a minute, share this podcast with a friend or an educator in your building. We'd really like to get the information out to lots of people, and I really feel like this is a great way to do that. The podcast is now available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and Breaker. So there are lots of opportunities, no matter how you use podcasts, to hopefully make this work for you. And we hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks so much. Bye.